This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Equity. Episode 7. Here we are, back for another episode. Fresh off the interview with Paul Bennett. Yeah, the CEO of Spaceship Super. Which we'll be releasing uh, very shortly, so stay tuned for that. So, what are we going to do in this episode? So, episode 7, we're going to cover off some news, as always, and bring you uh, Basics 101, where we're going to answer the question, where do we find information about the stocks that we buy? We've had some feedback from some of our listeners who want to know what's the best ways for them to find information about stocks on the market. Yeah, so if you do have questions that you want us to answer, keep sending them in. We'll happily go through and uh, try and answer them as best we can. Yeah, yep. and then we'll finish with, as always, Stock of the Week. Uh, so we've got another little doozy one lined up for you that we think is going to do pretty well. Touch wood. Yeah, all right, well... No just want to touch on stock of the week. If you haven't been paying attention to some of the stocks that we've been talking about, Gateway Lifestyle Group, which was our first stock of the week, actually had some good movement this week because they announced that they were going to be purchasing another facility to add to their portfolio of facilities. So jump on our website and have a look at our portfolio. You can see that we've uh, had some good movement yeah. with that. Um, and it's just a, a good indication that our thesis is paying dividends at the moment yeah, it's still it's still early days though so let's not Very let's not get too excited but it was it was good to say yeah alright well without any further ado let's get into some news so first bit of news we recently saw that Australia is going to cut the company tax rate and what does that mean so the Australian company tax rate at the moment is 30%, and what the government's doing is dropping it to 25% for companies with less than $50 million in revenue. Now, due to the quirks of the Australian parliamentary system, it's passed the Senate, and so everyone knows it's going to come into law, but it's not actually going to be officially passed until the budget, when Parliament sits again and it gets passed through the House of Reps. So, when it's briefly cutting company tax, what does that mean for someone who's starting out investing or someone who's Well, essentially what it means is that, as the name suggests, uh, companies will pay less tax on the profits they make. So if if you are investing in a company that has less than $50 million revenue, uh, it will only be paying 25% of their profits in tax rather than 30%. Now, the interesting thing to watch is it's only for companies that have $50 million revenue or less. So what we might see is some, you know, some accounting tricks, uh, some companies spinning off companies into fully owned subsidiaries and stuff like that to get themselves under the 
50 million dollar revenue threshold because saving five percent on tax is pretty big so a lot of companies are going to try and do what they can to get under that 50 million dollars revenue so something to watch to see how tax avoidance takes advantage of this new tax policy uh second news item of the week that we found pretty interesting something that i posted on our facebook page is that tesla has now passed forward in terms of market valuation so why don't we explain what market valuation is market valuation is the price of your the company's shares times by the number of shares that are on the market and that gives you a total valuation at market level yeah Um, yeah. and so very simply if we own a company and our shares are trading at one dollar and there's a hundred shares out in the market our market value or you sometimes hear it called market cap is a hundred dollars so, for the first time in the history of both companies, uh, obviously Ford is a lot older than Tesla, but for the first time, Tesla has overtaken Ford in market value. Yeah. Now, all that's interesting about it is that it's an indication of the way that investors are starting to look at the automotive industry, and also it's a good example of uh, disruptive technologies and companies coming in and changing the way that these industries that have long been steadfast in their ways uh, are now changing yeah um, and people invest for the future so uh something like this is a general indication of where the market thinks the future of automotives lie yeah and then one final piece of news trump uh recently hosted uh xi jinping at his the chinese leader trump recently had him down to his resort in florida they played a bit of golf had a chat over some issues uh both said it was a good meeting but you know they they generally are always always say it's a good meeting but just it's an interesting piece to watch given how vicious some of trump's rhetoric was during the campaign you know calling china currency manipulators saying they've screwed america on trade saying they're going to now now trump's said he was going to screw China and bring manufacturing back. So it's interesting to see how that relationship develops. It's got implications for Australia in terms of free trade and what uh, America... In what way? Uh, so uh, because America and China are the biggest economies in the world, they generally set the rules uh, and set the direction for trade. So if China and America start uh, engaging in a trade war and start uh, putting up tariffs and trade barriers, what you'll probably see is a lot of other countries following suit because you don't want to get left behind and you know be the only country open to free trade while every other country is putting up um, huge protectionist measures. So as Australian investors, we obviously are quite small market compared to the world. We benefit greatly from free trade, both with America and China. And so fingers crossed this, uh, this meeting and future meetings they have uh, is good news for free trade and in that way is good news for Australia. That wraps up uh, our news for the week. So moving on. This is Basics 101. Uh, each episode we will try and bring you um, some basic investing techniques. Yep. And as we said at the start of the show, today is where to find information on stocks and companies and how, to, and how do we find information on yeah. stocks and companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, a, it's a valid thing to, to raise because there are many, many ways in which you can find information about stocks. Yeah. There's a lot of opinions out there. And so it's about refining the way that you do, do it and more about also being aware of what you're reading so that you can then start to train yourself to look for opportunities. Yeah, and make sure it's not fake news. And make sure it's not fake news, <laughs> that's right. So we'll go through a bit of a list. Obviously, first on the list yeah. is equitymates.com. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're only going to get news and get investing advice from one place, there's no better place. No. We're, not, we're not biased at all. No, all jokes aside, I think the first, the best place to start thinking about 
where you, you need to look for information is to think about firstly where your interests lie in, in terms of uh, companies or industries. Uh, and this can stem from experience that you've had through working for companies or the industry that you work in or that you know your friends or family may work in. And that can start to help you understand an industry a little bit better than if you had no experience with it at all. Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to be working in the head office of a company. If you work in retail or if you work in hospitality, your, your experiences are like valuable experiences for your investing knowledge. Think about what, what companies are doing well in your industry, uh, uh, what, you know, you've done well in terms of selling things, and then think about like what companies are doing that on a mass scale. So a good example may be that you work for Harvey Norman on uh, after school on a weeknight or during university or whatever, and you may look around Harvey Norman and see that there's a particular brand of vacuum cleaner yeah. or TV that are selling really well, and that could be a trigger point for you to then think, okay, well, there's obviously something good about those products. Let's go and research this company a little bit further. Let's see if it's listed as a public company, and then that would then trigger uh, further research. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably one of the best ways to start is just to look around in your surroundings and, and have a think about you know where your interests lie or if you have experience uh, with any industry and, and everything. Like yeah. Now, obviously, you won't have experience with every industry, no. so you need some really good sources of information. And the best one for my mind and the one that I always go to first is uh, Australian Financial Review. It's a newspaper. It's got an uh, it's it's an online newspaper as well. Uh, a lot of re- good articles on uh, Australian companies and the Australian market. It's a newspaper that's target market is investors. So it's always a good first source of information to know what's going on in the market and you know what what you need to know. I would suggest buying the weekend paper yeah. for the Australian Financial yeah. Review. It summarises the the week pretty well and also has some segments in there that or sections in there, sorry, that are specifically targeted towards markets and companies and also investor money um, that otherwise don't appear during the week. Yeah. Things about three dollars fifty uh, thereabouts on the weekend. Um, and yeah, as Rena said, yeah. it should be a first stop. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, but you know, not everyone wants to pay for information. No. And in the age of the internet, only suckers pay for information. <laughs> so I hear. So look, there's a bunch of free resources as well. Um, the first is just you know the general TV news at night and uh, newspapers, uh, you know, online uh, news sites that you go to. There's generally some information on companies in the markets, but also just more more general information. You know, if you know a free trade deal is happening, that's going to have implications for the market, or the company tax rate that's changes that's going to have implications for the market so just general things in that are reported in the news have implications for different companies and for the market as a whole and it's important to sort of just you know keep reading and think about how whatever changes in society and in the economy are going to affect the different companies yeah i think that's a very good point this is all about it's, it's fine to have all of these resources available and it's fine to go on and shop through australian financial review and all that sort of stuff but if you don't have a conscious effort of looking for things that might be creating opportunity for companies then you're wasting your time so while you're doing this you need to sort of train yourself to look for opportunities that are the macro opportunities changes in government legislation and then think about how that may affect companies Mm. um that sort of stuff is what you need to be looking for yeah 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 even things like you know trends in you know trends in food and uh like uh, clothing and stuff like that that has a direct effect on what companies are going to do well and Mm. You know, so you just got to, like, literally everything that's going on in society 
you can think about how that will affect certain companies because there will always be an effect. Um, that's just the nature of the world that we live in. So anything that you're interested in, there will be companies that are affected by that. Things like weather disasters, like the cyclones and floods that we've been having recently are going to have a huge impact on um, retailers up there. Yeah, insurance companies. Exactly, yeah. they have to shut up shop for a while. That's going to impact re- um, their ability to generate revenue, that sort of stuff. So start thinking about everything around you that's happening is going to have an effect on the company. It's then about you trying to join the dots as to what effect that's going to have and, and then trying to find companies that will be affected. Yeah. Now, there's a bunch of specific financial information that you can get. And one that's really valuable and everyone should take advantage of is uh, the information that companies send out themselves. So any publicly listed company in Australia will have to publish an annual report which will detail um, all their results for the last year, what their plans for the future are. And then around that, they make a whole bunch of announcements to the market and they do a whole bunch of interim reports, half-year reports, stuff like that. All of that is publicly available either on their website or on the ASX's website. And, you know, obviously companies are producing this information So if they've had a shocker of the year, they're they're going to try and sugarcoat it. But just to get that information about all all the aspects of a company and how they're going, really useful resource and definitely something you should read before you invest in a company. Mm -hmm. Some of them can be quite heavy. So even if you don't want to read through the whole thing, a lot of them have a very good summary at the start. It's just a good good way of getting an understanding of what information comes through the annual reports. Um, and as you progress and gain, get a bit more experience and interest in investing, then you can start to go a bit further. But certainly try and read. This is obviously once you find the company that you're interested in, but yep. certainly read the executive summary. It's, it's, it's definitely somewhere where you can get a little bit of additional information. Yeah. Um, in terms of online sites, uh, Google and Yahoo both have pretty comprehensive financial yeah, information yep. available. Very easy to read, very easy to understand. Um, and you know they're both massive search engines, so they can yeah. compile a lot of information. Yep, all the company reports and stuff will be uh, linked to on Google or Yahoo Finance. You you can have a look at the charts and see how the share price has moved. Um, a bunch of the key financial metrics, uh, you know, uh, price to earnings ratio, net tangible assets per share, stuff like that. You can see if you're not sure what any of those terms mean, check out our glossary, equitymates.com. <laughs> So yeah, and and we're now sort of building into places where you can go once you've found these companies um, that you're interested in. Social media is a fantastic way of also getting an idea of what's trending at the moment, both in the news and in terms of stocks. Twitter is very good at yeah. uh, highlighting uh, what's what's hot at the moment. Yeah, investors um, love to share their information on Twitter as well. Yeah, it's just I guess it's the nature of the game, like. If you make an investment, it's good that other people know about it and also make that investment. So, a lot of investors also like having a bit of a beef over <laughs> which is fantastic for us because we can see both sides of the argument and sort of make an idea of our own opinion of, um, of the company. But yeah, Twitter's, Twitter's great. You can A lot of the big investors are on Twitter, love sharing their yeah, information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a fantastic way of getting a quick overview of what's hot, what's not, yeah, um, what, and getting access to big investors without having to pay for any information. Yeah. What we're going to do as well is if you jump on our website, equitymates.com, or jump on our Facebook or Twitter, we'll um, compile a bit of a blog post about some of the big uh, people you should follow on Twitter. Yeah. So if you're just getting started and you have a Twitter account, uh, that's that's a great way of just getting a whole bunch of experts giving you information. Um so yeah, check out uh, equitymates.com uh, to get that list. Yeah, nice. 
following on from that, there's also a number of forums that are available online where a lot of people like us and, and more experienced jump on and share all their actual thoughts. Um, some of it's you've got to know what's yeah, you got to yes and what's not. You got to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. There's a lot of people getting on there and talking about <laughs> a whole heap of crap that yeah, otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, An- anonymous like forums this. are a bit a bit dangerous, but I mean, it's all it's one of those things. You know, you, it's a good starting point. If you're going to do your own research afterwards, it's a good place That's to get right. some ideas. So some ones that some, some that you might want to check out are Hot Copper, yeah, and the Motley Fool. The Motley Fool you have to pay for, um, yeah, but. Uh, I don't know, it may be worth it, but we, we don't pay for it. No, don't pay it, full stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're our competitors. So. Um, <laughs> one that I certainly like, and um, Brennan's as well, is uh, Reddit, a fantastic online community if you don't know about it. Yeah, even if, even if you don't know about Reddit and you don't want to use it for investing, get on Reddit, it's yeah, great. it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, a massive community of everyone online, on the yeah. <laughs> posting about everything, but there's a number of uh, subreddits that you should check out uh, specifically Oz Finance and Oz Stocks, both uh, s- uh, related to Australian yeah. investing. There's also R- uh, RASX, which is related to Australian investing as well. And, and these are forums where people go on and just chat about anything to do with that topic. So it's a fantastic place. People ask questions, they give advice, they give tips on what stocks they're looking at. There's um, hypothetical portfolios on there, very similar to ours. People plug po- podcasts, books, all that sort of mm. stuff. So it's a great way to get a whole bunch of information uh, in the one in the yeah, one place. Yeah. And then there's also a bunch of subreddits that aren't particularly focused on Australia, but uh, they're more global communities. But great, uh, great resources. Uh, there's r slash investing, r slash business, r slash economy, r slash personal finance. They're all really, um, really great resources. Um, not just for investing, but just for like personal financial. Uh, decisions and habits more generally they're, um, they're great to read so if you don't know how to use Reddit just literally go to Google type in Reddit and then any of those buzzwords that we just mentioned and it will probably be one of the first or second links that come up so yeah fantastic resource I uh, highly recommend jumping on there but at the end of the day the main thing is to remember do your own research yeah. don't think that whatever any of these forums or social media or newspapers anything is, is uh, set in stone and golden you know, you've still got to come to the conclusion, as we said every episode, come to your own conclusion, but these are fantastic resources to help that you come to that conclusion. Yeah, definitely. I just want to make one point. A lot of a lot of new investors will go to uh, uh, broker broker recommendations. Yeah. So uh, companies like Morningstar will uh, put out reports to the market, you know, we recommend buying Commonwealth Bank or we recommend selling, you know, Company X. They're, they're great. And look, these guys are experts, they're professionals who are writing these reports. So they're definitely worth reading and seeing why they're recommending them. But there's a little bit of questions over conflicts of interest and uh, misaligned incentives in writing these reports. So even if you're reading brokerage reports on companies, don't just take that as gospel. Always do your own research on top of that and really question the the conclusions they're making because incentives are a bit misaligned in what they're doing. We're both going to jump onto AustralianFinancialReview.com right now Yep. and onto their homepage and see what headlines grab us and see if we can come up with not necessarily a stock but if we can come up with something that interests us and then that may lead us to yeah try and relate it to companies that might or industries that might do well because of that news story and might suffer because of that news story yeah, pros and cons alright all right, take it away alright so I'll just jump on AFR now alright so here we go alright what about uh, the US ascending armada to North Korea so okay, interesting 
So this is this is an article. Um, Donald Trump has said he wants to send an armada of U.S. Navy ships to the Korean Peninsula, given their ongoing tensions with North Korea. Okay. So um, this has been in the news a bit lately, and obviously it's primarily a foreign poli- policy story. Yeah. But as we were saying before, everything has implications for the market. Li- yeah. Literally everything. We'll start with what companies will benefit. So, so obviously, obviously more about the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, there are implications for Australia as well. So the the big winners out of any military escalation is US defense contractors. And uh, there are a bunch, obviously, they're trading in America. The biggest one that everyone would have, most people would have heard of is Lockheed Martin. But there are a bunch of others. Just to give you an idea of how lucrative war can be for these defense contractors, Raytheon uh, is a defense contractor that makes Tomahawk missiles. And they and President Trump recently launched 59 Tomahawk missiles in into Syria to blow up this airbase, which I'm sure everyone has heard about. What people probably didn't hear about is that these cruise missiles cost almost a million dollars each, and Raytheon now has to produce more for the U.S. military. And on when President Trump fired those cruise missiles, Raytheon's share price jumped four dollars straight away on the news. It went from about 150 dollars to 154 dollars, and that's just because. Defence spending is such a big part of America's budget and everything that is created is so expensive that any time any military equipment is used and has to be replaced, there's big dollars in that for defence contractors. So a big win out of uh, Trump sending an armada to North Korea and escalating military tensions is defence contractors. Even though nothing's come of that yet, it's a possibility. It's a possibility, yeah. And, uh, but even if, even if a shot is never fired, increased military tensions lead to increased worry in Washington um, about potential military conflict, and that leads to increased military spending. So you don't even need a war. All you need is fear, essentially. And that, that's what defence contractors live on. Awesome. Alright, so a loser. And there are big losers out of this, obviously. The biggest loser is the North Korean people. But in terms of investors, Australian companies are pretty big losers. Because as military tensions escalate between America and North Korea, North Korea's biggest ally, China, is going to get edgy and and the the Chinese-American relationship is going to sour. That's really bad for Australian companies that are export-focused and especially that export to China. Because if anything ever does kick off between America and China... All of these Australian exporters all of a sudden aren't going to be able to export to their biggest market. So that's companies like Bellamy's, A2 Milk, Blackmore's, Treasury Wine Estates, uh, and a bunch of others that now make a huge chunk of their income from selling to the Chinese markets. They're, they're going to suffer. So there you go. A story about war that has big investing implications. Awesome. All right. Well, while you were rambling on about war, <laughs> I had a scroll through the front page of the AFR and uh, the headline that caught my attention was David Keogh's TPG Spectrum Splurge Scares Telstra Investors. Now, to me, this uh, is a fantastic headline because all of a sudden, all, automatically it gives me two companies so that I, I can go away and firstly look into the TPG and I can look into Telstra and what their relationship is. Going into the article, though, it goes on to say that David Teo, who is the CEO of... Um, TPG, which is the telecommunications company, is about to spend $1.2 billion. So what does this mean? What are the pros and cons? Pros are the fact that TPG is investing in infrastructure spending, which is going to create greater competition, which is going to have price implications for consumers um, and also potentially positive implications for their own shareholders. So, well, the losers are obviously Telstra. Um, they're going to be the major losers because... Um, if it goes according to plan for TPG, they're going to be losing customers. It's going to be greater competition for them. 
they're going to have to come up with ways of either reducing costs or that the, the other way that they might deal with that is increase their prices, which is going to be um, another negative for their customers. So the losers would be Telstra. So you would then go away and look at um, these companies individually yep. and uh, think about what might be the best investment yep. for you. And Telstra's share price did drop on the news of, of this investment. It did. Uh, so, you know, if you don't think... Like, if, if you reckon that this investment by TPG is going to fail... Now may be a good time to buy Telstra, but clearly investors are a bit worried about TPG and what they're going to do for Telstra's mobile customers. Yeah. So there you go. Two ways uh, that we've just quickly browsed the, the internet and uh, have come up with some potential companies or industries mm. that are worth looking at. Yeah. Awesome. So moving on, as always, again, stock of the week. Yeah. Favourite part of the show. <laughs> so... Where are we going to spend our $1,000 this week? We've talked about this before on the show, that we are both really interested in Australian agriculture. As an industry, as a sector in the Australian economy, we think it has a lot of potential. Well, it's the largest contributor to GDP. Yeah. What we've seen recently is a lot of extremely wealthy Australians move quite heavily into agriculture. So... Kerry Stokes, the owner of uh, Seven West, has put a lot of money in. Jerry Harvey uh, of Harvey, no- Harvey Norman has put a lot of money in. Gina Reinhart has just built a, a Wagyu beef export business uh, based up in the top end in Northern Territory of Queensland. So, and there's a bunch of others. The, the long and the short of it is there's a lot of money flowing into Australian uh, agriculture at the mm-hmm. moment. Which is a positive sign. Well, yeah, especially yeah, if you're a shareholder in that industry. Yeah, and there are some, there are some, yeah, or a farmer. Yeah. There are some particular areas in the agriculture industry that have done particularly well out of this, and that investors think have good long-term prospects. One that we've talked yeah, to. It's not Snapchat, <laughs> although it would be a bad one. Now, one that we've talked to death about is dairy, so we're not going to talk about that anymore. But there's a bunch of others that people think has have quite good long-term prospects. The main thing, the main theory, is that. A lot of these industries will uh, benefit from opening up of Asian markets and the emerging Asian middle class and will be able to export to these markets. And we're now starting to see this come through as demand from uh, particularly China yep. is really starting to fuel this agricultural growth. Yeah, definitely. And their, their growth is coming from what we would say would be premium products. Yeah. Um, you know, the mindset of the... Chinese at the moment is that as they are becoming more wealthy, they want to in, enjoy the, the finer things um, or, or what we in Western society uh, um, classify as sort of premium. So, you know, the nuts, wine, yeah. um, beef, top quality beef, top yeah. quality beef. So, it's those sort of products that are at the moment really reaping the rewards yeah. of a, a growing Asian middle class. Yeah. So, one industry that we particularly think has a lot of prospects, is the Australian beef industry. Yeah. And there are a variety of reasons for that. Australian beef has always been quite sought after, especially Australian Wagyu beef has always been a very sought after item in Asia. But what we've seen recently is that while Wagyu beef has continued to be very strong, just Australian beef in general has been very strong. So to take China, for example, Australian beef sales to China have grown sixfold between 2012 and 2015. And the global beef price has risen about 7% over the last decade. So what you're saying is more like more beef sold and it being sold at a higher price. Fantastic news for beef producers. Yeah, great news. Do you want to introduce a company that we hope is going to take advantage of this? Yeah, sure. Introducing AAC. Yeah. So look, look them up on the ASX, AAC, the Australian Agricultural Company. Yeah, very creative name. Yeah, very creative, <laughs> very, 
and they are a beef producer, yeah. essentially, at their core. And as Red has mentioned before, that's the reason we like them. Yeah. Um, AAC used to be uh, primarily focused on the growing a herd and then selling that herd to... Uh, abattoirs and that that was sort of their uh, core competency and that's what they did well and that's what they stuck to over the last couple of years they've vertically integrated now for new investors out there vertical integration is when you when you own all air uh, all steps in the supply chain so now what um australian agricultural company does is they continue to produce the cattle like grow the cattle but then they also own the abattoirs and then they then export the finished product as well so they're they're end to, they, they own the business end to end and, that, and that's really valuable because there's a lot more value that can be derived from uh, the finished product, uh, like selling packaged beef, than there is from selling live cows to abattoirs. And what's also really important is that when you control, uh, when you're vertically integrated, you, you're much better prepared to survive price shocks. So what we're seeing at the moment is uh, in the lamb industry, lamb prices are skyrocketing and abattoirs can't afford to buy the lamb. So we're seeing some abattoirs shut down. The, the, lamb, pri- the lamb price rise is making it tough for some farmers. Um, obviously, some are benefiting from high prices. But as ASA is vertically integrated, price fluctuations at any level in the supply chain, they can sort of even out because they control it end to end. So it's a lot more stable a company. Yeah, you have much better control of the total cost of production. Exactly, and you can reflect that in the final price. Yeah. yeah. Um, what we've seen is that this vertical integration has resulted in a 45% improvement in revenue between the first half of the 2014 financial year and the first half of the 2016 financial year. So, yeah, there's a lot more value that can be added through the supply chain, and if you're vertically integrated, you capture all that value. So you make that money rather than you know selling your beef to abattoirs who then add a premium and then sell it on. So, yeah, it, it, vertical integration is great for AAC. It's already starting to uh, show some results, and we're pretty bullish on these results continuing for a number of reasons, the least of which is that Australia's recently signed free trade agreements with China, Japan, and South Korea. So that's all good for... Um, beef exporters. We see the growth of the Asian middle class not slowing down and we think that that's going to keep driving demand for Australian beef. And it's also not just the uh, Chinese that are driving this as well. Um, South Korea and the United States um, in 2016 sales to both those countries climbed by 200% to the United States and 56% to South Korea. So their other markets are also growing considerably just because of the quality of the beef that they're producing. Sales in 2016, uh, revenue jumped by 45% to just under half a billion dollars. And this is off the back of um, some strategic change that they made back in 2014. And they're now starting to see the results of this strategic change coming through. As Renner said, that was partly due to the fact that they decided to uh, vertically integrate and take on another source of revenue by doing so. Since 2014, beef sales made up uh, 59% of total revenue in 2014. 2015, they were 79% and 2016, 88% of their business. And they now have, have a strong focus on Wagyu beef because that's really where they can start to generate a lot of revenue. Their ambition is to become a globally recognised premium beef producer. And in fact, they have won some numerous awards uh, for their Wagyu, including being named the grand champion of the world at the World <laughs> Wagyu Conference. There you go, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, so look, it, it doesn't come without risk. Uh, as we were talking about before, there are risks that, you know, there is more protectionism put in, especially by China, um, in response to America. That, that would be bad for their export business. There's also danger that, you know, the Chinese economy um, might have some troubles. That, that will hurt 
their export market. But I mean, there's just there's there's more na- there's more general dangers as well. So. Because uh, beef is a commodity, as the price fluctuates, that will affect their ability to, to make money. Even though they're vertically integrated, if beef prices skyrocket, it will become it may become difficult to uh, get a lot of demand from customers. So look, yeah, look, there are there are dangers, but we're confident that over the long term, Australian beef has a bright future, and Australian agricultural company are well placed to capitalise on that bright future. Definitely, yeah. yeah. So it's currently trading at $1.68. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and lock that in as number three stock of the week. Stock of the week, number three, yeah. We're yeah. going to add that to our portfolio and see how it goes. As we have said, we're pretty well. We're confident that it's in the right yeah. uh, industry at, at the very least. So it'll be interesting to see how we go. Yeah. So that wraps up episode seven. Hope you've enjoyed it. Before we wrap up, as we started with, we have just finished an interview with uh, Paul Bennett, who is CEO of Spaceship. Um, a very interesting company that is looking at uh, shaping up the Australian superannuation industry yeah. and targeting 25 to 35-year-olds specifically and their superannuation funds, trying to change the way that we think as millennials about our superannuation. Yeah, or just trying to get us to start thinking about superannuation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they have a very strong focus on the technology sector, yeah. which is something that we'll definitely be talking about in coming episodes. So, you know, they're looking at the Amazons and the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. Yeah. Um, so... That's going to be coming up after this episode. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get a photo with him. Yeah, we might we might Photoshop one and put it up. Uh, <laughs> look out for that on our Facebook or Twitter in the coming days. And as always, please keep the feedback coming. We really appreciate hearing from you guys so we can only improve yeah, the yeah, yeah. better. So. And send us any questions you have as well. So like that Basics 101 we did today, that was based off a listener question. Yeah. So we really appreciate them um, and keep coming in. Yeah, awesome. So that's it for this week, guys. Uh, episode number seven. Look forward to talking to you next episode. Can't wait. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Equity. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how they pertain to your individual situation.